and welcome to Freightonomics. Uh, I'm Zach Strickland, head of freight market intelligence here with chief economist Anthony Smith. And this is the show where we discuss the overall macroeconomic environment as well as the supply chain freight market and combine those two things into a wonderful glob of information uh, that hopefully is useful and allows you to go about your day. And Anthony, it's going to be an Anthony-centric show today. Uh, <laughs> We've had a lot of activity this week in a lot of the economic announcements. Yeah. Obviously, the largest uh, happening this morning at 8.30 a.m., as I'm sure most of you were glued uh, to the wire watching for the GDP release. So we'll cover that here shortly. Uh, but other than that, thanks for coming out today. I feel like I didn't have to do much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, you had last week quarterly earnings. This week I get GDP. So it's just like everything just falls into place. Yeah, I think that it times out well. I was giddy last week. <laughs> I was up late. I was up early. And I was just like, all right, where are the numbers? What are you going to see? Just dive. I'm still going through the numbers because yeah. there's just so much in the report when you're looking at different breakouts, right. oh my gosh. quarterly numbers, month, or just the different subcomponents. It's just really a lot to dive through. Yeah, and the freight market, of course, is on its its continuous journey here. But first, are you checking? Uh, we're That's on early right. today. We are on 11 early. 30, so uh, if you are tuning in, we appreciate you guys tuning in to our new time. This is going to be a new time going forward, 11.30 Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays. And if you see me looking down, I'm only being a little bit rude, so I'll be on LinkedIn. So if you are watching on LinkedIn, join in on the conversation you have to take. You want to get Zach canceled. You want to just bring up a point, have a question, anything that has to do with the show. Just want to say hi. I want to shout out. Join us on LinkedIn chat if you are happening to be watching 1130 Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, exactly. Or just watch us on YouTube and or listen to you on your favorite podcast uh, player. So let's get this freight market thing out of the way so we can dive into <laughs> uh, the uh, the rest of the economic announcements. Uh, the freight market, of course, uh, not having a great month. Uh, so I'll, if, we'll do my market in two here and then we'll be on our journey. You want to count me in? I'll do it. All right. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Let's go. Let's do this. So uh, I want to spend a little bit of time on this chart here because it's really the market in a nutshell at this point. So we have our uh, national truckload index there in the white line. Uh, our national truckload index removing the total cost of estimated fuel and the green line. So it's less fuel, spot market volumes, less fuel, spot market freight activity, less fuel. And then we have the fuel, the retail fuel price there in the blue line. Uh, the reason I put the blue line on here is to show you that fuel was having a little bit of an influence on that white line uh, there earlier in the month. Now that has eroded. <laughs> uh, and you can really see it accentuated in the green line. When you remove the total cost of fuel, spot rates are now in what looks like a free fall. Uh, it looks like as quick as it was earlier in the year, if not faster. Uh, and we talked about this. I wrote a chart of the week article about it uh, that a lot of the contract volumes have started to erode uh, significantly over the last uh, few weeks. And it's going to show up more in these larger carrier networks. And they're going to jump into the spot market just trying to fill those holes. And that's what I think we're seeing right here, uh, which is, again, below cost for a lot of carriers out there, especially some of the low, uh, you know, the people that just entered the market, the smaller fleets uh, and owner ops. So let's look at the next chart here, the OTVI. OTVI shows... Demand is weakened. Uh, this is total tenders uh, moving. So this is our demand side index. And you can see that drop there in the early part of the month. Now, seasonally speaking, I left the other years on there. That's what those other colored lines are, are the previous years. You can see 2020 and 2021 still elevated. A lot of rejections in that. 
orange line, not so much. Seasonally speaking, it looks like we could see another dip going into November. So, you know, kind of with bated breath waiting uh, here. But peak season definitely looks like a muted thing at this point. And last chart, contract versus spot. Contracts did not drop this month, not yet. A lot of room to go. <laughs> that's impressive. And I mean, that's the big thing that I'm going to be watching that I'm going to be waiting for is really what happens with those contract markets because we see what's going on with spot, but contract is kind of lagging behind. Yeah, contract is really sticky uh, right now relative to where spot market activity has been. I mean, you're we're talking about these being, you know, ex- we got another 20%. Every time we think we hit a floor with the spot market, it's now it's on its way back down. Mm. That's just going to increase that downward pressure. Now, something that I'm getting, you know, I, I wear many hats here at Freight Waves, and I get to talk to a lot of people out in the world, not just from a media or content generation aspect, but just from a business discussion uh, component. And there's, there's this sentiment out there amongst a lot of people that we're not going to see uh, the dramatic decline in contracts. Uh, that the spot market suggests, at least not initially. Mm. Uh, come, you know, once those boards start chirping at some of these uh, companies for cost reductions and things like that, that might make it a little different story. But right now, it looks like people are kind of cautious. You yeah. know, they don't, you know, they've been snake bit. <laughs> so I, I don't know how... The, the proof will be in the pudding. <laughs> you know, that's why we look at data. Like anecdotally speaking, people aren't sounding as aggressive mm-hmm. uh, or looking for the deep as, as deep a discounts uh, as we might expect here on the contract side. But that being said, I mean, we've had a huge shift into dedicated yeah. uh, and, and, and things like that. I think we're going to see some modal shifts uh, more than we will the contract side, at least initially. Yeah, and, and I think you're you're spot on, especially with you know maybe not just the data just but just the sentiment towards things. If you listen to the kind of the, just the general takeaways from quarterly calls and the sentiment towards the outlook and these quarterly calls versus last quarter, it's a lot more calm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say grim just yet, but a lot more cautionary. I was like, yeah. say, hey, we're seeing slowdowns, we're expecting slowdown. Just kind of, kind of you know, setting the table to expect that there's going to be a little bit weaker results going forward. Yeah. And, I, and in terms of the carriers out there, I mean, this is going to be, is going to be a rough spot for, for a lot of you and the brokers too. Uh, it's, it's going to be a relatively, uh, you know, painful coming from a, a superheated, like everything is great uh, kind of environment. I mean, not everything is great, but <laughs> it, it was kind of like you could kind of pick and choose your freight and easy, easy operations. Your network was action packed with activity. Um, and now it's, it's just going to be, t- uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the people that get into driving and you know, trucking in general, though, are kind of salt of the earth. I think there's there's a lot of grit there in general. I think they're going to be all right in the long run, for sure. But it's, it's one of those moments. And honestly, the transportation sector is just built for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be one of those things where if you say, you know, just completely making this example up, but like, say, for example, you have, hey, my cousin, my uncle, whoever, mm-hmm. my friend drives, and he's been making so much money throughout, you know, 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. And then you jump in, you get your license, you get, you know, all your certifications, and now you're in the this market. It's going to be rough if you aren't sure how to make money or navigate in this yeah. market. Now, if you're a new driver, it's not a good likelihood that you're an owner-operator. But if you're a new owner-operator that you just, you know, bought a used truck, you got out there, mm-hmm. You were be like able to just kind of make money by accident, you know, in yeah. the previous quarters. Now you it's could just be show a- <laughs> up with a diesel engine and make money. Last exactly. Year. That's obviously not the way that it is normally. Uh, but 
you know, there is some good news in the way that, you know, that OTVI value has found a floor uh, for the time being. Um, it's not dropping precipitously <laughs> as it was earlier in the month at this point. And now I did say that there was a cautionary piece in early November, but those will probably be temporary. Yeah. Um, so there is there is some good news there. And here's another, uh, here's as we break into the stories here, this is a good segue. Uh, I don't know that I'd call this good news, <laughs> but it is news that could potentially impact carriers and, and trucking operators out there in a positive sense uh, in the long run. If the rail uh, the rails do strike or if there is continued discourse here, this could prop up some freight activity for a short amount of time more mm-hmm. than likely. But it looks like another rail union rejects the tentative labor agreement. That's 6,000 members. Uh, affected by the negotiations, about 5% of the 115,000 union members involved in the negotiation process. So not a huge group, but it, it's, it's a decent sized one. And then we have two of the largest unions representing train engineers and conductors uh, have yet to vote on whether to ratify the agreement uh, you know, on the rail. So this, again, uh, this type of freight is very fungible, at least outside of the carloads, not the coal and the you know, the rocks and the aggregates, but the uh, the commercial, the container uh, volumes are very fungible with trucking. Yeah, like you said, this is going to be one of those areas that may be a, a little bit of good news for some uh, individuals outside of the market. But this is, Zach, is this a little bit concerning that we see another rail union reject that might say, hey, this is a big deal. This yeah. is something to watch. I want to pull up a chart here. The O-Rail, our loaded container volumes. And you can see uh, there's, a, there's a few little dips here. This is the domestic uh, loaded container volumes. Uh, in total, United States of America, we had a little bit of a dip in, uh, in September that's exacerbated in this chart here. But uh, that white line there, that's what is fungible with trucking for the most part. The green line, yes, to an extent, but we're seeing a drop off there. That's the international uh, loaded containers. And a lot of those, that's that's a different kind of environment. A lot of that gets transloaded into the domestics and the, uh, and the truckload sector itself kind of absorbs it. So not a lot of erosion there uh, just yet. So people aren't making the transition to trucking in, in mass quantities at this point. Yeah. And and the other big one, um, because of course it's quarterly season, um, I've been looking at some of my investments, Zach, and <laughs> some of them are Don't just do that. awful. Don't do that. Uh, and I have been getting into some other investments that are doing good right now. I'm not going to I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not going to get into what's doing good and what's doing bad. But when we're looking at Wall Street right now, they were all about freight and transportation over the last few quarters. Now it seems like the tide's starting to turn. Not so fast. Uh, As with most economic bubbles, anything that goes up must come down. Uh, The freight sector, of course, experienced one of the fastest and earliest uh, rises on the financial sector is now on the backside of that. In this article, uh, Wall Street turns bearish on transports after early misses uh, and negative guidance. Uh, Stephanie Moore uh, from Jeff Economics uh, We're broadly critical on the transportation and logistics space over the next 12 months as consumers shift to spending on services, causing freight shipment demand to fall off, and incremental capacity comes to market just as demand is slowing and supply chains are easing. Um, All of this, of course, combined with driver wages, cost inflation, starting to compress margins. It's kind of like the complete opposite (laughs) reversal of everything we've seen that she lines out here. And I want to pull up this figure from this article uh, from Jeff economics here. And I, I want to get your take here because mm-hmm. she's an economist 
And she feels like we just saw that you see that Q1, Q2 there, inflation squeeze. And then she projects some level of energy relief, which actually does have pretty solid uh, support right now, especially from the uh, European Union getting their gas supplies up for the winter. Uh, And then she sees the policy drag impact of all these rate hikes and things like that starting to actually take hold Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later. What do you think about this? Um, I I would put, since um, we did have that inflation squeeze, I'd also classify that as a recession as well, even Mm -hmm. though we have that upward movement that we can kind of get into a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think she has a lot of great points because when we see um, the policy drag impact, I think there's going to be a lot, especially with the inflation bill that was passed earlier. Um, That was one that we were diving into when it first got up uh, put out and really a lot of the impacts in it seemed inflationary. Um, so I think we're looking at those two things. There's going to be a lot of delayed reactions. Mm-hmm. And right now we're running on fumes and those fumes got us this, you know, seemingly positive result in the GDP. And that's not going to be enough to get us ongoing growth as we continue to move forward into 2023. So you basically are saying like, you, you kind of agree here mm-hmm. that, that we're seeing this lag kind of you know, fluctuation as that bullwhip kind of comes to fruition. Uh, And I think, you know, when we get in, let's go ahead and get into the GDP here. That's a good segue uh, into GDP, because I think what she stated, I mean, we're we're basically seeing where people still have money. Mm -hmm. They're still spending money because they have it. She's saying all these policy impacts that we're doing today and in the past are going to actually deflate consumers to the point where they no longer They've already stopped spending on goods to an extent, yeah. but they're, they're diverting a lot of that cash flow into services, travel, leisure, stuff they couldn't do during the pandemic. She's basically stating that that is going to eventually show up and they're not going to spend on travel and services. And this is a good point as to like why when you're looking at the GDP, looking at the headline number, it's not going to have direct ties to freight and transportation. You have to look at some of the subcomponents that really going to have to you know, have those greater impacts. And so we have the good suggested GDP, which I believe we're putting together and, uh, and putting the final pieces together now as we speak. Um, and, and we'll be sure to share that with you on a quarterly basis uh, as it gets updated over the next couple of days here. But um, that's a big one. So uh, I think uh, JP, probably, I think he was on this morning and it was a mm-hmm. great point talking towards, you know, some of the aspects around, you know, really GDP and the freight markets and not really moving in uh, you know, unison or usually right. the overall economy, not you moving in unison with the freight market. And so um, we've seen times where the freight market has been hot and the overall economy has been cold or vice versa. And so right now what we're seeing is that I believe there's a weakness showing for both. And so even though we got a upward movement of over 2.5%, 2.6% right now, right. Um, that doesn't show that there is significant strength right now, even though I do give some credit as to where we are seeing some growth. We're seeing um, that there was uh, some positivities and, you know, some consumer spending, things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's almost a little bit concerning because we're seeing inflationary pressures continue to build. Is inflation built into this figure? So we have this real GDP mm-hmm. with the real numbers. We are still seeing that consumer spending is elevated, Okay, unfortunately. And, <laughs> and because we're looking at uh, consumer conditions. They're not the best. The savings rate is still at record lows that we haven't right. seen since 2008, I think. So why do you March think that that's why do you think that's concerning that they're still spending? Doesn't that drive a lot of the economic value and obviously the goods economy? Mm-hmm. So I think so. It's concerning because the savings rate is so low. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, the consumer is not in a good financial position. Credit card utilization is still skyrocketing. 
um, the black hole that is by now pay later is still going to be one of those areas that's going to be a huge area of concern. And so we're seeing consumers and and the jobs market has been definitely the area that has had a lot of strength or perceived strength in the the area that a lot of people are going to point to. So over the first half of 2022, everyone denying any parts of a recession and saying, hey, we got a positive number. Just told you there's no recession. No, no. The first half was recessionary, you know, textbook. I, I, you can change the definition. <laughs> it is what it is. And I have a video of economy lately. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of July, I put out, you know, if there was an upward movement, that doesn't n- mean that, you know, I feel more optimistic about the future. Right. Um, I, I feel a little bit more, you know, I still feel the same way. And really, it's almost like a I think almost a false sense of security in a sense, because we see this, you know, positive number. I think, hey, everything's fine. Everything's okay. Mm. And then that could hit us even harder, you know, on the back end of this thing. And so we're looking at the jobs market. We are seeing that there is steadily slowing down trends. Mm -hmm. Um, There hasn't been impactful um, layoffs. But that's not going to be the area to look for for a leading economic indicator because the job market is going to be lagging. In a sense, we're looking at what's going on with the overall economy. And then even at that, it's not uncommon for times of cyclical recession for there to be a spike in layoffs or a spike in unemployment. So we've seen uh, weekly initial jobs claims before in the past have rises on a weekly basis of over 40,000. And so um, it's not unheard of for this to just kind of rapidly turn for the jobs market. Now, I'm not saying, hey, the sky's falling, just wait, just wait, just wait. I am saying that there are a lot of underlying trends right now in the economy that are still on shaky foundation. And we're looking at the breakouts for, you know, GDP. There's all these other things that we have to take into account, imports versus exports. We've looked at the data. We've been talking about the data that we're not just, we're not importing as much as we used to. Mm-hmm. And we've been exporting a lot more. And we're starting to see that, of course, within transportation data, our OTBI, even though we found a floor, we're just not importing as much. And of course, we've had Henry Byers think about uh, mm-hmm. to, for that all those trends that we saw throughout the earlier parts of this year. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing that broken down here in in the GDP that, hey, we're not importing as much. We're exporting a little bit more. Um, That's going to have an upward moving effect for the overall GDP number for net exports. And so um, it's definitely an interesting time. Uh, It doesn't really give me any optimism looking forward. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Like I said, it could be, uh, you know, the first half recession, okay, third quarter, We'll wait and see what the fourth quarter brings us. But really, the consumer, I don't think, is in a really good position right now. So basically, they have learned some bad habits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to take a minute for them to realize that this isn't the strategy for me. I shouldn't be spending the money at the level I am. But it looks like they're, they, there's still some information here that reflects that they, they're kind of realizing that mm-hmm. they can't. Like the housing market, for instance. They're not buying houses. They're realizing they can't make this significant purchase at what mortgage rates just went over 7% uh, on average. And it's weird how those numbers are uh, reported. That's not necessarily the rate that you're guaranteed to get. Right. It's kind of like an average uh, value out there. But we were down, what, around like two and a half, three percent 3% during the pandemic? It was very low. And so one of the big things is when we're looking at the raises and in, in, in interest rates and in mortgages, these incremental raises really do a a big hit to how much house a consumer can afford. And mm-hmm. so you see these incremental raises of, you know, you know, now you're up over, you know, two percentage points to where you were maybe a year ago. That can diminish your buying power by right. over, you know, thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars. Right. And so now you're looking at, all right, I can't buy as much home. Now you're also getting into a point where consumers that were able to lock in those lower, lower mortgages throughout the pandemic and soon after 
um, what do you call it? endemic uh, times? <laughs> yeah, um, you know they are not able to say, "Hey, I'm going to trade up in house, or I'm going to sell and 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 buy down," because now they're going to be kind of holding on a little bit longer because they don't want to let go of that low mortgage rate because right. if they trade down, they might be trading down in price but less house and and so it or more more price with a le- of a, a smaller house. Less house. And so it's, it's definitely going to be a situation that I think is going to keep existing home inventory low. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and definitely one where we're looking at, um, one of the things I was talking about with housing construction earlier on in the year, it's still possible for a lot of homes to get canceled um, if it's not under contract just yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of homes out there that have been authorized <clears> but not started. And so uh, we're looking at that piece of the pie for home housing and construction on the residential side, um, you're seeing that there's still a lot of meat on the bone that could just be scraped off and not even kind of applied to this is going to be an actual purchase. So we're looking at new home sales. It, it, it is definitely deteriorating right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I got a stat the other day that was the during the pandemic when interest rates were at all time lows, uh, we're talking about a, they could afford a $400,000-ish house now at the current level that erodes their buying power all the way down to like $230,000, $240,000. Yeah. So that's a big difference in house buying power uh, from where we were simply just a year ago. <laughs> it's significant. It's significant. And um, the buying power, I think, of course, it's, it's hitting all aspects. And so that's the big thing. I mean, a lot of people are celebrating this number and, you know, you know, as they should potentially, mm-hmm. but really look at the underlying facts here. And so um, inflation has not gone anywhere. Um, right. And on all these figures that are coming out, these fig- which is you know data, great, use it, but it's also going to be used as am- ammunition potentially for ra- more raises in interest rates. And so um, we're going to wait and see and see how far Jerome Powell and the Fed's going to go now before any type of pivot. I want to ask about that because we are starting to see some countries around the world slow their roll mm-hmm. in terms of interest rate increases. Australia. Uh, didn't give the full three quarters, which has been kind of the standard uh, for for a bit, as well as some other, and I I don't have them written down here, but um, I think the European banks actually did go ahead with the uh, full three quarters, uh, and we're expected to have one, what, next week? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So do you think that some of this is starting to sink in to the Fed? Do you think they're actually kind of taking this data outside uh, into account in terms of inflationary control? So I think that's a big thing here. And and so the Fed doesn't have a lot of tools um, mm-hmm. that they can use right now. And so um, a lot of the tools that they can use would be, in a sense, inflationary building. Right. Um, it would be quantitative easing. It would be all these other things that would boost inflation. So that puts us in a really difficult position. And so when we're looking at these moves that the Fed can do and can make as we get into 2023. It's not going to be a lot of wiggle room that they could utilize that's going to be you know beneficial for the greater overall economy. It can be some things that's going to say, hey, if we do this, we can, you know, maybe um, soften the the impact of an overall recession in the near term, but at the cost of long-term um, outlook and, and potential more inflationary pressures. And so um, I think when we're looking at and listening to the Fed and the Jerome Powell, we have to be very mindful and very really listening to his verbiage. Is he really sticking, staying to the course? Mm-hmm. Is he easing off the, uh, the, the the gas pedal? As we've heard from a lot of quarterly calls, we talk about what the Fed says is definitely in line with how you have to take into account what the quarterly calls say. They can't come out and say, hey, 
you know, it's, <laughs> it's bad out there. You know, I, I admire the guys that do because they're just being straight mm-hmm. up and honest. But a lot of times it was like, hey, you know, this segment, you know, eased and mm-hmm. we see a lot of opportunity and green shoes and all those other NBA finance talks of where there's growth opportunity and not so much, hey, we screwed up here, we screwed up here. This is deteriorating. This is deteriorating because their shares and, and their stock would fall. But I think the same thing with the Fed and Jerome Powell, they have to put on a brave face and say, hey, um, we're doing all we can. We're, you know, taking these measured, uh, you know, calculations. And so I I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not envious of his position <laughs> right. <laughs> that he's in right now. But I do think um, the Fed is going to be in a very difficult position as we get into 2023 as to, all right, do we pivot? Do we let off on yeah. the uh, the interest rate increases? Or do we keep doubling down um, in, in light of a slowing and easing economy? Yeah. And of course, uh, we are going to be at F3 next week. And we're going to have some special guests that uh, address this specific topic. So if you haven't already booked your flight, (laughs) I don't know why you wouldn't have, uh, (laughs) but we'll be there next week. And of course, this show will air uh, at 2.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, And we've got some guests that we're actually going to dive into more detail uh, about that specific topic. Um, So I'm excited excited. about it. (laughs) Long overdue. (laughs) Right. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Give us some good news, though, before we we check out. (sighs) Initial jobs claims only went up to 217,000. So it it went up, but not a whole lot. (laughs) So that's some good news. doesn't have to be a recession for you in 2023. You can right. navigate that. Um, drink the right amount of water. <laughs> appropriate amount. Out there. The appropriate amount. Don't over Save a little bit of money. <laughs> also, a good showing on LinkedIn right now. So appreciate you all tuning in at our new time. Yeah. 11.30 to 10 time. Hopefully we'll see y'all at F3. See you there. <laughs>